Hey listeners, nice of you to come back. I hope that bathroom break was enjoyable. Welcome back to Banter Banter, the show about bantering while we banter. I'm Manny, your host for the evening, but guess what? Players 2 and 3 are also in the game. Combo Breaker! Over there, we have the fantabulous wandering martial artist, Mike. Hello. And the silent cybernetic ninja over there in the other corner is good man Aaron. Ready for action. (laughs) So we tossed around the idea of a topic at the last time we had a voice call. And I had brought up the topic of physical versus digital media, which I think has become increasingly relevant given the amount of time that we've all had to spend indoors. It's become increasingly advisable to try and reduce social interactions. And one of the things that, at least in my lifestyle, informs heavily into what this podcast has been so far, going and experiencing different media. Myself and my significant other, we usually make various trips to the theater and we'll often go to the different retailers and buy movies that are either heavily discounted or we're just really excited for. And a lot of the same carries over for games. I play and obtain an irresponsible amount of video games And with the recent lifestyle changes that we've all had to take, it seems like a smarter idea in some ways to instead turn to digital downloads or streaming instead of having to go out and brave the public and risk the unknown. This has been a change that has been in the works for a long time for all platforms if you look back when there was no other way to consume things outside of the radio or television which was your download version you wanted to watch that movie again you had to buy that vhs tape you had to buy that laser disc or the cd or the blu-ray you didn't have any other options we started getting the options to get those in a different format. So, kind of the way Netflix built itself up. Although you started off with the DVD mail and the game rental process, they switched over to the beginnings of the streaming service. They're probably not the only one that did it. I know the PlayStation did it, Nintendo did it, Xbox did it as well, where... In the late 2000s, they started providing digital download opportunities, and it's become more prominent as we, as a society, our technology has increased to allow larger games to be downloaded faster and fit on those finite hard drives where you can't switch it out all the time and provide yourself more space. So... I wouldn't say we're currently at the crossroads, but this conversation will most likely dive into the pros and cons of both sides of the physical object itself and the purchasing 
versus taking a digital version of it to be on a hard drive that you can take places. Did either of you ever make a mixtape of music you'd have on the radio? So many off the radio. So, so many. Yeah, you were talking about how the radio stuff was kind of passing, and it was, but once you got a hold of those tape decks that could record stuff from various sources... Oh, yes. I think that was available earlier on for a certain generation and price point. I'm pretty confident in the 80s there was more than enough ways for someone to take an LP and create a mixtape to give to somebody, but... I didn't have those options available. I had that one speaker, cassette player, radio combo where I could record off of the radio and you got that extra fuzzy noise to it like somebody had the white noise on the TV playing while you were recording. Classic. Oh, speaking of TV, did you ever record anything off of the television with a VCR? For sure. How else was I supposed to watch 12 Monkeys, something else, and something else all on one tape? When you make it record on extra slow, so you get like 19 hours off of the two-hour cassette tape. That was definitely a thing I figured out pretty early on was how to program the VCR so I could get it to catch shows that happened either while I was at school or that I knew I wouldn't be able to catch because my family and I would be out visiting. So you mean the original version of TiVoing it? Now I know TiVo is still a thing, but it kind of feels like it's also hitting its twilight years. Yes, because you're only recording live television and I honestly don't have it, so I don't know what other functionality TiVo has available, other than it's a storage container for you recording TV shows or movies off of your cable available shows. I think it's become a mainstay of cable and satellite packages now. I think most of them come with the option to, well, most of them come with a receiver box that also doubles as a digital video recorder. Yeah, their variation on the name brand TiVo idea. I think you're totally right that they do that. But having disconnected from cable as a whole. I don't know what that's like anymore. I think it's been about a decade since I have had cable, and it was still a package that didn't come with a DVR. DVRs were a premium add-on. So here's my personal view. I like some of the benefits of having the physical object. Having the video game on hand to physically plug into the unit or the CD-ROM drive, and it's always there and available to me as long as I have the object that can play that game, i.e. I have Game Boy games from oh, 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 so long ago, the 1990s. I have a Game Boy that can play those games. Until those Game Boys break, I can play those games. It's my personal pro for the tactile sense of it, drawback that if either the game breaks or the system itself breaks, I can no longer play that game without going and purchasing a new physical version or never being able to purchase it because they no longer make it and it's hard to find. Media archiving and preservation has picked up a lot of steam to sort of reevaluate 
how copyright and everything is handled, since that seems to be the biggest stranglehold keeping anyone from being able to properly collect and archive media that may never see the light of day because the companies who own it aren't interested in re-releasing it, but they also aren't interested in letting the copyright for that particular film or piece of software go free. I did thoroughly enjoy having an emulator for a while on my computer to play some Super Nintendo games from a long, long time ago. But again, you know, run into a few issues, much like with the copyright. People stop updating or that website gets taken down so you can't access it anymore. Your hard drive gets wiped. Your controller breaks. Now you can't play it. That reminds me of an interesting anecdote. I had this yellow 3x5 floppy. The standard memory on it was just enough that a Super Nintendo emulator and a ROM of Legend of Zelda Link to the Past could fit on it. And so I would take that to school and I would run the emulator and the game off of the school computers whenever either I'd be at lunch or if it was in computer class and I was done with whatever the assignment was. It raised more than one or two alarms when the administration thought I was installing things onto the computers. Leet hacksaws all over their computer system. You know, your comment about that floppy disk makes me remember and I'm physically holding as I was cleaning out some stuff of my physical media archives. Do you gentlemen remember the zip disk? Oh yes, it was an attempt to try and move past the floppy disk in terms of media so it had greater storage, but it seemed to have gotten eclipsed by optical drives. Yes, this killer 100 megabyte zip disk I have on hand has files that bring me back to my con about physical media. I don't have a zip disk drive to plug this into to see what these files are. It's lost. It's sitting here on this object that I can't access. I know when it's from. It's from my high school years. I have a rough idea of what's on here, but I can't access it. I'm hosed, man. Well, I guess those edgy teenage angst poems you wrote are lost to the ether. I'm pretty confident they are my digital graphics class projects and music videos to anime compilations, because I really liked those at that time. Do any of those anime music videos feature Linkin Park? Yes, at least a dozen probably featured Linkin Park, hands down. I remember the most common ones were a combination, in usually both, of Dragon Ball Z and Linkin Park. Here I was going to say Neon Genesis Evangelion and Linkin Park. Yeah, they would do that too. That was pretty common. While we were on the topic of emulators and ROMs, I did want to also reinforce the one point you had brought up about how there's something that is never truly replicated by anything other than playing on original hardware. And that's especially true if it's a system that you had when you were younger or that you had back in the day of that system. Totally agree. And that's been my biggest complaint with mobile ports of a lot of classic games is that while it's nifty to have what is basically countless games 
in something that fits in your pocket, it's never quite comfortable to play. And it never quite feels right because you're touching on that screen that gives you no real feedback. I know you can do the thing where some games will make the phone vibrate anytime you hit the button, but I think that's always been a mistake with phone developers is to focus on that virtual keypad. The clicking or the vibrating, it just doesn't have the same feel. And to that point, one of my frustrations when I had the emulator on my computer was the controller I picked up felt more like a PlayStation controller in its overall design. It didn't have the same feel as the Super Nintendo controller. Just didn't match. And then on top of it, the emulator, there was that slight delay in responsiveness in comparison to the original hardware. Because the original hardware was meant to work together, whereas the emulator is a program running a program connecting to another thing that's not necessarily cohesive. It was not intentionally designed to specifically work together. And most emulators are trying to do on the software level what a physical chipset used to have to do to run a game. And since most software for its day was designed to run using that specific chipset, it's usually extremely difficult to get a group together or a person that can figure out how to recreate the timing and everything for a piece of software that's supposed to behave like the physical appliance that played it. I definitely digest most of my media via digital streaming now. I still purchase movies every once in a while. I couldn't tell you what the last movie I purchased was, though. I can. It was Date Night, and now I don't have a Blu-ray player because my PlayStation 3 broke. Did it really? Oh, yes. Oh, man, I'm sorry. It is corrupted, and I'm too lazy to try and wipe the hard drive and make it function again, which, from my understanding, is something that should be really easy to do. Sounds like it's time to upgrade. I purchased stuff through their app system for digital download, and I don't have access to the email that that original system is logged in under, so I will lose all of it. Wow. I mean, I've already lost it, but I lost it, which is a con of the digital age. You lose access to an email or something breaks, you don't have access to that thing you purchased anymore. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's the Achilles heel of digital media. As long as you have all the correct passwords and emails connected to it, you'll be fine. But if you lose those or they get hacked. become corrupted or get hacked, then you lose access to that stuff. And I'm sure if you go through enough hoops with the provider, you could probably get access to it again. But who has the time or the energy to do that? So I think that's definitely one strength of having physical media versus digital is you have the physical copy in your hands. But the Achilles heel of physical media is damage over time. Wear and tear. Wear and tear, degradation. Your sibling steps on it. Right. Scratches on DVDs and Blu-rays. You get into a fight with your significant other and they're like, ah, take this and they break it. You should never do that. Retaliation in that fashion is horrible. Please don't do that to people. You start throwing DVDs and Blu-rays around like they're blade discs. You're trying to cut the throat of your sibling. 
Now, let's take a step back. There was one CD that I feel the band intentionally wanted you to use it as a coaster. Because they did name the album One Fierce Beer Coaster. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, gosh. It was great. Also, good band. We are going to take a moment pause while I look up that band. Because I can't remember who they are. Let me take this moment to talk about our sponsor. Do-do-do. Banter Banter today is brought to you by Toys R Us. Not the new one that's come up and I'm sure is inevitable, but I mean the one that went down back in 2017. Bloodhound Gang. Huh, all right. Okay. It was their 1996 release, One Fierce Beer Coaster, and... It actually had a few songs that I think you guys might remember, such as Kiss Me Where It Smells Funny. Hard Pass. Hidden Track. Not really. That's not one that you would know. It's Tricky, which was a Run DMC cover. If they acknowledge it, is it truly hidden? It is not acknowledged as Hidden Track, just the track listing notates it as Hidden Track. Oh, I guess I should rephrase that. The track numbers are 1 through 13, and then it jumps to 69, which is hidden track. Hmm. You know, in the mid-2000s, maybe even the 2010s, I forgot who did it, but there was an album that I saw at Best Buy one day while I was browsing that literally said, steal this album. That is by System of a Down. I was about to say, I want to say it was System of a Down. So that was interesting when I saw that. That was also the same day that I found out that a band called Goblin Cock exists in this world. Did you know that there is an author who wrote a book titled Steal This Book? It was released in 1971. Really? Did they also have a very strong anti-capitalist message in their book, or was it just a joke? Per the Wikipedia page, Abby Hoffman wrote the book, and the book exemplifies the counterculture of the 60s. It mainly focuses on ways to fight the government against corporations in any way possible. So very similar to Serge Tankin's message with System of a Down. Very anti-establishment, anti-capitalist in what they were doing. That's the impression I always got. Going back to... The shortcomings of digital media and physical. I wanted to bring up another anecdote that I had, and that's that my PlayStation 4 has a 2 terabyte hard drive in it. And over time, since I have the PlayStation Plus subscription, I usually pick up the free game of the month, and between that and the couple of other games that I've picked up digitally, I've ultimately filled up that reservoir of space. Well, I'm kind of generally a fan of, for my home consoles, getting physical media, because if your system doesn't travel and it mostly stays in one place, why not keep all of your software physically two steps away from where the console is? So it just seems to make sense for me on that. Well, I had picked up a copy of Insomniac Studios' Spider-Man that came out a couple of years ago, and the whole thing sort of broke down and defeated itself because 
I put in the disk and it said it needed to install data in order to let me play. I think it needed something like 23 gigs. So I wound up having to delete two entire games that I wasn't playing from my hard drive in order to make room for the physical disc Spider-Man game. Yeah, it's a BV boy. I think that's how the new generation consoles do it, is they just pull the data that's off the disc instead of running the game off the disc itself. Not only that, there's usually like another 20 gigs you have to download for updates. And I guess that's what I feel has started to defeat physical media, at least with video games, is that we're starting to get to the point where it almost seems like they shouldn't be offering a disc because I question if, let's say, 15 years from now that Sony finally stops supporting any updates for PS4 if you are trying to play any games or anything, if you get a freshly wiped PS4 15 years from now and try and insert this disc, will it be useless to you then? Because it can't pull the data from the server or site that it was supposed to. And I guess that makes me a little bit sad. Which, again, is also the pitfall of digital-only stuff that we were talking about, where if you lose your account, but if you play good customer boy, and you always keep up with your emails and your passwords and everything, and you always responsibly obtain your video game. I think the biggest boogeyman fear is that they say there's nothing stopping the console manufacturer or the platform from pulling the plug on those servers. But what happens more frequently than people are willing to put up is licenses expire. Like, for example, the only way that you can get Transformers Devastation from Platinum Games is if you have a physical copy or if you already had it downloaded on your system. There's no way to get that anymore. Is that because they lost the rights or the rights expired? Activision didn't want to have the resources to make a lot of these Transformer games, so one of the studios they hired, Platinum Games, was hired to make this game. But as soon as the license were out, which this came out very near the end of that licensing agreement, they had to pull it from any digital storefronts. Ah, so Activision subcontracted to get the games made, and then were like, whoa, 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 nope. Oh, well, Hasbro was like, oh, time is up. You can't sell any more Transformers, Activision. Bye-bye. And Activision was like, well, it's not our problem. We subcontracted that out anyway. So, right. hey, guess what? All of you guys are fired. Well, the games had already been made. And luckily, Platinum Games was never bought by Activision. They're kind of a solo crew. They're still making games. And then another more relevant to our little podcast group is... Scott Pilgrim vs. The World had a side-scrolling arcade-style beat-em-up that was on PlayStation 3 that came out around the same time as the film. That one also had its software pulled from digital storefronts because the license ran out for it. Oh man, and I never picked it up either. The only way to have it is if you did purchase it. So that is a major downfall since they never did a physical release for that. It's sort of lost to time. I just wanted to take a quick moment and do like a little list of pros and cons for physical media and digital media. Physical media. Pros. You have it. It can go with you wherever. No matter what happens, you always have that object. 
until it breaks, which is a con. Another pro of it is you can watch it and watch it and watch it. And if the license expires, it doesn't matter because you have a physical version of it. You can watch it any day, any time. You don't need the internet to be able to watch it. You don't need Wi-Fi. You just need the object that plays that thing. Oh, man. I've already got counterpoints to your things, and I'm going to let you finish. Another pro, and this is personal, the tactile concept. Inserting that VHS, that DVD into the player, turning the TV on and watching it and getting to pause whenever you want, although that part applies for all of it. Cons. The player breaks. The actual media itself breaks. Your DVD, your VHS player breaks. Your DVD breaks. It gets stepped on. Ugh. Con. The space that all of those objects take up. I have a stack of DVDs. I have cleared up at least one cubic foot of DVD space from computer CDs that I no longer need, like Windows 7 install discs, and DVDs, and video games that I can now get off of the internet for free, straight digital download. Yeah, to add to that, I have a bookshelf that I've had to double stack stuff, so now it's getting difficult to get to some of my older videos because I have to pull out basically an entire row to see what's behind it. Another con, at least for me, I own all of these DVDs. You want to know the last time I watched one? It's been a hot minute. Two years ago. For sure. If not longer. It's just easier to fire up Netflix or Hulu than it is to grab a DVD off the wall and put it into your DVD player. Totally right. I do re-consume movies, but I do it on such a low rate that most of these movies that I have, I've watched maybe one additional time after purchasing, and that's it. So I spent $20 to $40 on a DVD that I watched once, and now it collects dust on my shelf. I can agree with you on pretty much all of those, and if I could amend by bringing back up the problem with Spider-Man to your first point that eventually we'll reach a point with a lot of this recent ages media of not all of the software being on that disc. So we'll reach a point where a lot of the physical games are holding on to may not be as functional if they're no longer supported by the internet. Second part, which also relates to the same thing, I remember I was trying to watch the first Matrix movie about three months ago, and the terrible thing about it was I wasn't sure, and I should have taken my player off of the internet to see what it was going to do, but it hesitated for a long time while Warner Brothers was trying to download the latest trailers for me to watch. And this is just anecdotal, but I've heard that some early, early generation Blu-rays will either complain the heck out of you or just refuse to officially start up because it cannot download these trailers. Oof, that's rough. Hmm, I've never read into that personally. I've heard that was only a problem with very early generation ones. I think eventually a lot of movie studios gave up on that idea of just keeping a constant stream of current ads and they just gave up and just 
basically do what DVDs did. It's interesting. There's a video by James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd, where he talks about how he prefers the DVD format over the Blu-ray format, and he brings up a lot of these issues. I've seen that video. So, Aaron, what are your personal pros and cons for digital media? Well, a pro is definitely that it is easier to have less clutter with digital media. Physical media takes up a lot of space. Like physical space in my house? Yes, physical space in your house or your room. I'm sure we all have a shelf full of movies, and I will occasionally pull movies off of my shelf to watch, but most of the time I'm just pulling up a movie to stream on one of the various streaming services that I'm subscribed to. Totally agree. That's how my music goes. Do you boys ever get choice paralysis from Netflix and Hulu? Yes, all the time. Where you sit there and you realize you've been browsing for the last half hour? I've tried to hone that by creating a list of things that I'm interested in and then removing them when I'm done. I.e., I recently was excited about the fact that Netflix had One Piece on there, but removed it after I found out it only had four seasons. Are you... Four seasons in? Four seasons stops at, like, episode 90-something. The last episode we stopped at, good sir, was episode 356. I have it listed on a note for when we ever get to start watching it again together. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Dreaming one had a crap in the other, I guess. Wow, I didn't realize we'd gotten that far. I, I haven't watched One Piece in, like, three or four years, though. As far as cons go, the digital media... Obviously, if you lose your password or your account gets hacked, you drop your laptop in the water. That's a con. Also, internet signal. If you have a poor internet signal, download speed, there's nothing that infuriates me more than a movie that pauses and buffers every five seconds. So with a DVD or a Blu-ray, as long as it's not scratched or has a lot of grease or dirt splotches on it, it's going to play flawlessly. And that is something that's very appealing. So I think those are my cons and my pros for digital media. I agree with some of the statements that Aaron made for pros and cons about digital media. The space that you can save. I now, with technology, can purchase terabyte-sized hard drives that I can make portable. I.e., I can take them with me places. Go on vacation. I can take my entire library of games or movies, whatever, with me to play and watch when I'm in different locations that aren't my standard living quarters. Super awesome. I mean, especially when if you're willing to invest about 80 bucks when it's on sale, you can get 512 gigabytes on a micro SD card the size of your pinky nail. Technology has provided us a great opportunity to squeeze a lot of our older stuff into a small space that makes it travel capable. The space, like Aaron mentioned, that I save by not having all of those DVDs. I have Disney+. Plus. I now no longer need most of my Disney DVD collection because I have access to those movies via my account, which... For the most part, if I take a laptop or my cell phone places, I have access to it. It may not be on a big screen for the most part, but I can still access it, watch them, and enjoy them. 
some of the other pros that I like about digital media, and this is mostly because my dad brought it up, he has been scanning all of the photos he's taken. He started back in 1976, so all of the photos he has have been chronologically listed out in his storage units and cases and boxes, whatever he puts them in. He started in 1976, and he's been working for it. He's currently at 1985. Wow. Instead of having to give his children those physical pictures, he can provide us. Most likely, he will be putting this on a hard drive for us and handing us a hard drive so that we can look at everything. But I'm going to have all of that stuff from my past that has now been digitized. And... It is less likely to be damaged. If I upload it to the cloud, I can continue to have access to it if my physical hard drive gets corrupted or gets damaged so that I don't have to worry about necessarily losing that part of my life that I didn't actually know completely existed. I knew they took a lot of photos. I just didn't know they still held on to them. I have cleansed my physical media and physically owned objects every time I move. So I lose things. I shrink things. I get rid of things that I feel like I no longer need. And I know I took a lot of photos as a child. I had the disposable cameras every time I went on a trip, went to a camp, went to a sporting event. I know I didn't keep all of those photos. I've never really owned a digital camera, per se, aside from a cell phone. So. Anything that's been cell phone related, I still have access to. It has been transferred from one phone to the other. But I also cleanse that because the older the phone is, the less space you have, the more you have to kind of make decisions on. So that's a con, because I think I'm done with the pros here. Another con for digital media, the servers go down. The media format changes. If it's not uploaded and converted into a format that can continually be accessed, you lose the ability to use that program. Not that I have seen any digital media formatting change. There's still PDFs, there's still bitmaps and Photoshop and whatnot that can convert the same things, but you want to use Photoshop you better be able to pay for the newest version of Photoshop because the older stuff doesn't want to let you use it. So it's a flip of the coin sometimes on how I feel about which one I'd rather have. Sometimes I really want the physical media. Other times I'm happy that I have it in digital form. Yeah. All right, listeners, it seems like we've reached the end of our episode. As per usual, rate us on any of the platforms that you listen to us on. Would any of you listeners like a physical medium copy of this podcast? Would it be any helpful to you? I'll send you a DVD. Is there anything you'd like to add to any of the lists that we've gone through for pros or cons for physical media versus digital? Hit us up. We'll be sure to plug in all of our socials. But not our security numbers. It's 115-43-3993. It's fine if you want to burn a disc of it, but just don't be on fire. 
follow the hosts of Banter Banter on social media. On Facebook, at Banter BanterCast. On Twitter, at Banter underscore cast. You could reach Manny at Brogar, C-R-E. You could find Aaron at 8BitWizard. The 8 is Roman numerical. You can find me on Twitter at Mike8Time, the number 8. The podcast cover art was provided to us by Blaze Animator, based on original art design by at Bobbin underscore Goblin on Twitter. Our intro and outro theme is called Bad Attraction by Brad Sucks, off of his album title, I Don't Know What I'm Doing. Give it a listen or consider buying it.